Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. Uh, we are continuing part two of our Zeta coverage with episodes three and four today. Um, we have with us Skypey. Is it Jamaican or Jamaican? Uh, you know, I was just thinking that. I I can't. I read it as Jamaican. And no matter how many different ways they say it, I can't unhear Jamaican. And we get some more pronunciations of Jaburo. Yeah, Jaburo, I think, was yeah, that sounds was right. what I heard. Yeah. And we have Luke. Hi. <laughs> All right. So um, last week we, we did episode, or last episode we did episodes one and two. Um, now we're doing three and four. And um, this basically starts off, we are headed to Luna 2, um, which we learn is now an advanced base for the Federation forces. I think in original Mobile Suit Gundam, it, it was just like a, a colony, wasn't it? No, it was a base. It was it was still it was a base at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Just like the introduction of Zeta just made it sound like it was more than it maybe was before. Maybe they were just reintroducing it as something I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all. Um, and we also get to, to meet Lila Milaria. Um, she was, she was briefly in, um, charge deleted affair. And so I, like, I, I think I mentioned her like a handful of times. Um, but she's basically like, um, uh, what's the bad guy in inspector gadget? Dr. Claw. Yeah. I feel like she's a female Dr. Claw. Just like I, she's always like almost, almost about to get somebody, and then she just fails. But <laughs> I mean, they give her a Galbaldi. <laughs> hey, that's a new suit for the show. So, like, as far as we know, it's, it's we don't know we don't know anything about the Galbaldi yet. I don't think so. Yeah. It, so ultimately, it's just a suit. Yeah. Um, in the larger Gundam universe, uh, listeners may remember the Galbaldi Alpha from the plot to assassinate Giran. This is the Galbaldi Beta, which is a, I mean, nicer version with, I don't know, I guess it's got Windows 95 or something. <laughs> yeah. Or, or would it be Windows ME? Oof. <laughs> no, that, I feel like that's something that doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she is going to fight the AU. So she is actually not a Titans officer, like we've been seeing a lot of people be this so far. She is just a plain old Federation soldier um, that wants to do some AU fighting. Um, we get a nice little. Uh, we get we get to see uh, Bright again post uh, beatdown. Right, he's all battered and bruised up as he goes back to um, Basque's office, and Basque basically says um, he gives him like a handful of folders and says like, "Take this stuff to Jamatov because we don't have email in Zeta." Um, and uh, on on the way out, uh, we we see Jamaican, Jam Jamaica, <laughs> smack uh, bright on the on his back, and they're basically just like. They treat Bright like their little bitch boy. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, 
it's just giving an example of the Titans treating Federation regulars yeah. like shit. But you know, at least Bryce's getting slapped for once, and he's not slapping somebody. I think uh, I think they bring this up later, but at one point they they talk. It was not in this episode, but they talk about how everyone that's in the uh, the Titans, no matter what your rank is, you're just like one step better than someone of an equivalent rank. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, definitely see that here. <laughs> so we, uh, back to the back to Aug. Now we see uh, Camille getting put under. Uh, he gets a babysitter, so he, we haven't really been introduced to Rekoa very much. Um, we've heard her name here and there, but she's not like mm-hmm. a super important character yet. Um, but she is Camille's babysitter. Yeah. So the uh, this is also our first time actually seeing the Argama, other than just like know, being shot, some yeah. ship that's helping them get into the colony. Um, one of the things I think that is notable here about it, you the shot that you see here, it has those arms extended and they're spinning around. Mm-hmm. Those are actually the residential blocks, so to speak. So that's basically where the barracks are. And instead of having the rotating centrifuge, like the white base or something like that, where those rooms are around it, this just has those where they extend and they rotate and it simulates gravity. Um, so anytime you see it and those are retracted, which is honestly most of the time, um, then there's no gravity in the residential block. Now, I didn't pay attention to every little detail of what was going on to see if they stick to that. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. Get used um, to this ship. It's going to be around. Yeah. Yeah. And even its uh, successor will be around for a while too. Um, yeah. So we get to learn a little bit about the Mark II. Uh, we learned that the Mark II has the same armor as most regular mobile suits. Um, and it, it comes off because Camille's daddy and mommy tell them all about their, the mobile suits that they're developing. Um, but we also learned that uh, Camille's dad, who is like one of the big engineers for the mobile suits, is planning to integrate more Xeon technology into future mobile suits. Um, so they don't directly say this ever, I don't think, but I would assume that that um, a lot of the Titan suits moving forward and a lot of other like Federation suits in general, get this, te- this, this is like the idea that they want to go through and, and like slowly integrate a lot of the, the stuff towards the end of the Xeon war and probably even some of the stuff that they captured and like the um, 0083 stuff. Um, Did you mention uh, they talked, you talked a little bit about the armor, how it's like basically just regular mobile suit armor and yeah. probably never going to get upgraded. Yeah. The Mark two is, they don't talk about like if it, it, it seems to me like the Mark II is supposed to basically be like a mass, the next version of the mass production of the Gundam. Cause they've already got three of them. Yeah. Um, which is why it has like normal armor and all that stuff. So that's, that's the vibe I get though. They don't explicitly say it. Yeah. And there's a couple of them in a cold CL, uh, which is not how you pronounce that, but anyway, uh, there's a, at least a couple of them there. Uh, these are not super high spec things. And like you said, there are three of them just here. I think in one of the earlier episodes, maybe it was Camille, it was maybe it was someone else who said they performed basically just like a regular mobile suit. There was nothing really spe- that special about them. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I don't remember the exact quote, but yeah, that that vaguely comes. Maybe it was Jared who said it when when he was crashing it all over the place. 
Jared's the best and the worst all at the same time. Um, well, I think it's so what they're what they're giving you through the context is that it's a Gundam suit, but this is sort of being approached as an intermediary to the next big thing. And I mean, we know what that is. We know what the title of the show is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, the engineers that worked on it, you know, they're like, we're not going to upgrade this. This is, it, it's basically a, a small batch prototype that's already obsolete by the time we see it. Uh, but the, I mean, the performance seems well, you know, good enough. Yeah. Considering how long at least one of these units survives in universe. Yeah. Well, and it's actually interesting too. Like now that I've been thinking about it while we've been talking a little bit, like Camille's dad saying he's going to integrate Xeon and uh, Gundam technology together. It, I mean, that leads directly into the Zeta. So, um, all right. The so we learned that the Argama is going to double back to avoid Luna two, um, and end up passing by grips again because they do not want to um, face you know a, a huge set of uh, Federation or Titans uh, fleets, and so they're like, oh, let's turn around and go back to where we want to go. Um, at the same time, you, you got to remember side seven where grips is and. Uh, Luna two are pretty close together, so they're doubling back, so they can basically get on the like other path of the rotation. Like, right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So the Alexandria launches. It's it was the ship that they had kind of mentioned a few times being um, at grips, and um, it has Camille's parents on board, courtesy of Basque. Um, and this is actually like I'm. We're not gonna go like scene by scene with the movie or anything, but like the 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 new translation movie actually has like a little bit more scenery where they like do new scenes showing like Camille's parents being brought on board and having a little discussion and stuff like that. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, all I'll really say about most of this section from this the movie really condenses episodes basically two or three through five or six into like fifteen to twenty minutes and it's yeah. it's very different. Yeah, there there is one really cool shot in the movie version that's a new, you know, one of the newly animated scenes of like the Titans fleet that you don't get any real good sense of in the show. So I'm glad they put it in there. So yeah, when the Alexandria launches, you get to see all kinds of cool yeah. stuff for a, a little bit. The other interesting scene, I think I might have mentioned this already on another episode, but um, there's a scene that we had already really briefly. Uh, talked about on this, but Astonage uh, gives Quattro a literal floppy disk in the show with oh, yeah. the Mark II data. When I looked at the movie, and the, like the only reason I even noticed it is the movie reanimated that, you know, two second shot of Astonage handing Quattro something. And I was like, why did they do that? So in the movie, he does not hand him a floppy disk. It's like a I don't remember like, like just USB like, drive or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, it just looks like a you know a disc drive or something. So they actually reanimated the scene so that it wouldn't have a floppy disk in it. That's funny. Um, so we we go back to having uh, um, Lila flying around in her Garibaldi. Um, her unit approaches the Argama, 
Um, and we learn this is actually where we learned that the Argama is a AU built ship. So this is not like a white based ship or anything like that. It's not like one of the Federation models. AU has, has apparently got their own um, production facility where they have designed uh, the Argama. Um, and Lyle is kind of surprised about this. Um, but, you know, they funded it. it. Anaheim developed it. Yeah. Okay. And, and the AU funded it. Okay. Anaheim builds everything. So it's a secret Anaheim ship for the AU specifically, I guess. Um, Anaheim yeah. would never play both sides. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess AUG and the Titans and the Federation aren't officially at war. So initially like, and I don't even understand why she does this, but Lila's much, very much like, oh, let me board and inspect your ship. And like, there's a, a few minutes of discussion where they're like, oh yeah, maybe we should let her do it. And I'm like, why? We know this isn't going to happen. Why even have this scene? Um, but yeah, so she's like super aggressive to the Argama, flying around. They don't fire at her because I guess they're again trying not to start a war. Um, but eventually, they do get into combat. And um, as soon as Char launches in his mobile suit, it's red. So everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's like the red comet. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, I guess only only Char is allowed to have the color red. Did, uh, did anyone, does anyone else get the feeling like, um, like, like you're watching Superman and no one realized they just put a pair of glasses on this whole time? Like that's really what Char did is he threw a pair of sunglasses on and no one realizes it's Char. They're like, look, he looks exactly like him and he moves exactly like him. He wears the same color as him, but it's not him. It can't be. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I enjoy that really Camille is the first character that kind of just gets it. He's yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, and it's funny too, because every, like every, like throughout the next few episodes, everybody's like talking Char up and like, He's like this mythical figure, so it's just God. it's weird. Um, yeah. So, so uh, one one thing I wanted to mention there, you you were talking about that scene with Lila and how it was just weird, right? This is, in my opinion, the biggest problem with Zeta Gundam from start to finish is every episode has, okay. Maybe there's an exception along the way. I guess I'll pay attention and, and see. Uh, but every episode has some kind of mobile suit combat. Every <laughs> single one, even when it doesn't make sense for the plot or it's just kind of weird and inserted. Supposedly, this is something that the studio wanted. You know, every week we've got to show mobile suits and have them do stuff, which makes complete sense, right? Um, they wanted to sell a bunch of model kits to kids. That's why Gundam came back for another series. Yep. Um, but sometimes I, I just, I feel like there could have been a little bit, maybe more thought in the planning of the show to try to make some of the action make more sense as we go along. Like it's not grading yet as you watch it, right? Everything's still at least mostly makes sense. I mean, yeah. there's stretches of episodes where like they're fighting by the end. I'm like, why? <laughs> Aren't these the two that flew out and fought each other and flew back the last episode, and now they're going to fly out and fight each other and then fly back yeah. unarmed again? Like, ah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, even in these first several episodes um, and into the next episode we'll be doing, um, there's just a lot of, like, they go out and fight for a few minutes and then, like, they turn around and, and it's weird. And the movie does it even weirder because, like, like there will be a battle and then, like, somebody from the battle, like, Char from the battle will go back to the Argama and he'll, like, be commentating on the battle and you're like, wait, what? Why did he leave the battle? <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes so fast. They don't tell you he came back and is there. Yeah. And there's jumps of either several minutes or hours or the next day. And they don't, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking uh, of the, uh, Lila puts up a good fight against um, Char and they don't die. I think one of her guys dies in the battle, but um, they're forced to retreat um, so there's not really any sort of like salute into this fight. They just fight and like it's done. Um, the Titans, however, uh, afterwards launch uh, their Mark II and some Hyzaks. Um, the Hyzaks basically are like Zaku 3s, I'd guess, aren't they? I mean, well, the Zaku 3 is an actual thing. Okay, so, so whatever the next version of a Zaku is. Yeah, and this is just a... Look, this is the Federation Zaku, if you will. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, Jared is in one of them. Emma's in the Mark II, and they've been given a white flag and a capsule to do some negotiation. Uh, yeah, the, you... you this is like bad foreshadowing. Like they don't, you don't know, like it's foreshadowing that they're going to blow this thing up. But like at the time you don't know what, who's in it, what's in it. And, you know, very shortly we know it's um, Camille's mom has been launched in this um, capsule that they're, that they have these mission orders that they can't open until they're in space. Um, which is again, weird considering they don't know what's in the capsule. So why would you need to not open the, the things just like say in 10 minutes, blow up the capsule. <laughs> yeah. Jared thinks it's a bomb anyway. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that we do have here though, is that, uh, well, okay. I'm getting it. They get to the ship. Yeah. So Emma lands on, on the ship, um, and as she's being escorted in, Camille's like, oh, I know that shit. Um, and then she gives uh, Blex and every and everybody the, uh, the letter that she was given that she didn't read. It was a handwritten letter basically saying, if you don't return Camille and the Mark IIs, we are going to kill both of Camille's parents. Um, and then there's like some drama ensuing where like Emma didn't know and she's like flabbergasted. Um, yeah, and everybody's like, no, nah, yeah. What's she's that? having an existential crisis about, uh, yeah. Looking for. She's like, she, yeah, she's like, Basque would never do this. And like everybody else is like, nah, we know Basque, he would do this. <laughs> yeah. And you get. Sorry, Ed. I was gonna say it's kind of interesting how everyone on the Titan side is like, no, 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 no. Besk is a great guy, and then everyone is not. I was like, no, what are you, what are you talking about? Besk sucks. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and and this is where Blex is. Uh, this is not. This is a line that will be repeated in some variation, a good number of times. Um, but Blex drops a. Uh, I'm talking about those whose souls have been weighed down by the Earth's gravity. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. It begins. <laughs> I, I think yeah. even Char says it a lot too. This is just mm -hmm. gets said a lot in the show. It's almost um, like it's a theme, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they're talking and now everybody on the ship knows except for Camille until some idiot tells Camille, Hey, you know that kid that we've got, his parents are gonna be killed. And so Camille being the rational child we love him and know him to be with the strong emotional center the ability to be stable just decides he's going to go on a joy ride in his mark ii to go save his uh mom <laughs> and um he gets to his mom he, he flies past jared jared's like what the fuck um and camille's like he gets up to his mom and he's not like, I'm here to save you. He's like, why do you ruin my life? <laughs> and then Jared kills her for him. Um, and we I learned that. I don't like Camille. What's that? And I mentioned I don't like Camille. The more, the more we see of Camille, the more I don't like him. Camille. He's, he's not, uh, he's not as bad as the kid in war in the pocket. <laughs> well, I, I like Al. I hate it, Al. At least he Al. has the excuse of, of being an elementary schooler or something. Yeah, he was like six or seven or yeah. something like that. He was young. Uh, and he wasn't honestly that bad. He was a little snotty, but, you know, he was seven. So, Well, I will say this. So going back and, and reading um, Charge Deleted Affair, they treat Camille very similarly to the way they treated Haman in that early series. And one of the reasons I say that is because they, they talk a lot about Haman having manifest being, being in the process of manifesting these new type abilities and being like a teenager manifesting these abilities. She's incredibly frustrated because she doesn't know how to control them. And it's like overwhelming her in different ways. So, so like it, I, I watching this kind of like gives me a little bit more empathy considering he, like he's still a shitty guy. Don't get me wrong, um, but uh, it, it was just interesting to see uh, the mm -hmm. parallels between them. Yeah, uh, that's a little retconny, which is fine. It's fine. Um, I just have always seen him as this is Amaro, except we don't want to completely reuse Amaro. We want to have a new protagonist for the new show and then use Amaro for other things, which they do. But this is the version of Amaro that didn't get caught up in the war, whose parents were more stable and both on the colony. Um, obviously, you know, Camille's dad with Margarita over there, you know, getting his, his side. Uh, yeah, his side parents are like... Uh, but uh, th this is Amaro if he doesn't get caught up in the war and is basically like a spoiled military brat. Yeah. And his shitty parents stay together and like ruin his life. <laughs> his, his parents stay together for the kids and they shouldn't have stayed together. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Jared pops Camille's mom while he's holding her and Camille cries. And that is the end of episode three. I, I, this is one of the only spots in the entire series. I feel a little bad for Jared because he's like, why didn't the bomb go off? What happened? <laughs> yeah. 
I failed. Oh no, I failed my mission. Like he's just honestly has no clue. The thing from Jamaican just said, you know, blow it up, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, blow it up if somebody approaches it. It looks like they're going to try to do anything to it. Yeah. Now, if you're watching the movie at this point, this has started to blend together with episode four um, very much because Emma has reached the ship, but she brought Franklin with her. Yeah. And several of these other characters are out on a sortie, and that's when all the stuff with the capsule and all that happens. And they are they are meshed together quite um yeah, they are. They just are. Yeah. So yeah, uh, episode four, we go into uh, Emma, Emma leaving the Argama and um, her Mark II, and then um, Camille going berserk, going after Jared and his Isaac. Um and like he he grapples the Isaac and is just like beating the shit out of it. Donkey punches it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jared doesn't really know what to do. He's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, he's beating me up. Um, and then, uh, and this is actually something we talked about in the chat. Like Jared finds out that it's Camille. And in the English version, he's like, oh, it's that kid with the girl's name. I can't let that pussy beat me up. And in the Japanese, it's like, it's like, I, I can't let that guy beat me. <laughs> you know it's the, the english really turned up the douche nozzle i'm kind of glad it did it, it it does give jared a little more character um i know i do think the english does camille more dirty um like camille sounds like a spoiled brat really does english. yeah um really, really does yeah so eventually uh Char and Emma get to Jared and Camille and pull them apart from each other. Um, Emma tells Camille to act like a grown up, and um, at this point, every, the decision is made to sell Camille down the river or up the river as it may. Uh, Camille's Mark II and Cam with Camille inside it is taken to the Alexandria. Like, I actually felt bad for Camille at this point because, you know, his parents have just died and he's been given to the enemy. He's he, There's no way he's going to get good treatment if he were to stay on that ship. Um, and Camille cries again. This is this is two cries in two episodes. Um, uh, Camille comes face to face with so his... To counterpoint, Lane, this kid's mom just died. <laughs> 10 minutes ago and in universe time <laughs> to, to yeah. be fair though to be sure. fair though like she died right as he was like why do you ruin my life I, I know. If, if you were 16 and you were mad at your mom and you were saying hey you're ruining my life right now that you got hit by a bus in front of you as you were saying that you'd probably be a little traumatized a little That's bit mm -hmm. it's extra mom, regret his mom at least seems better than his dad like his mom is neglectful but like he seemed to hate his mom mostly from like a, she was really hands off and B the fact that she just kind of looked the other way on her dad, on, on his yeah. dad uh, sleeping around. Oh, I, I forgot to mention the scene in, in the last episode where we got to see his dad slap the shit out of his mom. Oh yeah. That was, that was the thing that happened. Yeah. That it was, it, she, he was, she brought up his mistress and he just like punches her. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because 
um, Camille meets with his dad on the Alexandria and is like yelling at his dad and brings up his mistress Margarita and his dad punches Camille. So his dad's, his dad's a serial puncher. Um, Apparently, just a piece of shit. If you can't tell, yeah. <laughs> well, the, oh, it the, gets better. The great part here is Camille brings it up, and he slaps Camille. Then, when Franklin gets to the bridge, uh, because uh, Basque had been listening in on this, Basque says, "Hey, isn't this good news for you and Margarita?" And like a pussy bitch, Franklin does nothing. <laughs> Basque yeah. is like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if this guy. Let's see." Like Basque is screwing with him, and it's it's kind of awful, but at the same time, you're like, he deserved that. Well, well Basque, I feel like Basque is setting him up even more to use him. Like Basque knows that that uh, Franklin is smart, a good engineer, and somebody that you know he may be able to use in the future. Um, so hey, I just I just got rid of your wife. You can do this this hot chick all you want now. Who do you say thanks to? Yeah. Um, so we we see Jared mocking Camille again about after he killed his mom. Um, calls well, him a he baby. apologizes first. Yeah. And then he immediately starts making fun of him again. Yeah. Yeah. Jared's a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Camille talks some shit too as he's being dragged away, which somehow pisses Jared off. Like the stuff that Camille said to Jared just didn't seem to be that big of a deal to me, but Jared took it really personally and was like ready to throw down with this little kid, whatever. Sensitive too. Yeah. Yeah. Jared's a bitch. So, uh, <laughs> so we go back to Emma Sheen. She is going to take Camille's dad back to the Armagoma with the Camille and, or with Camille and the Mark twos. Um, uh, Camille's dad knows how to pilot because he's a mobile suit engineer. So he at least knows how to do some he basic stuff. Built, did he build that specific mobile suit? Um, he Did he fly back a Mark II or did he fly back a Hyzak? In the movie, he flew a Hyzak. I can't remember where he flew in the show. I might be thinking. I, I think it was a Mark II. I think they they took all three Mark IIs. Yeah. Yep. So he yeah he takes a Mark II one of its uh, the, so they Emma gets them all out they take the Mark IIs uh, one of Franklin's uh, engines gets shot out but he's like hey I can fly with three engines because I designed it to be awesome like that while like Emma and Camille are like oh, God dude you're so slow <laughs> um, which the 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 slowness allows um, Lila's unit to uh, attack the Gundams again. Um, Camille is like firing, but again, he's still like a relatively new pilot at this point. So he, and, and Lila is legitimately a good pilot. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they're unable to do anything against Lila really, but, um, Quattro is able to kind of like show up with the reinforcements, force Lila's group away, um, and escort everybody back to the Argama. Um, at this point, you know, Emma has basically defected from the Titans over to um, Ayug, but Char lets her know that he doesn't fully trust her yet. They're going to put her under, like, supervision and give her, like, uh, a very short leash, as it were. Um, and then the, the episode kind of ends with Camille's dad creeping around the, the Rick Diaz. 
Yeah, almost none of this episode happens in the movie. Yeah, it's very streamlined. It's like, you know, when Emma goes to the Argama, um, uh, Franklin comes with them, with her, and like, and when they leave, it's around the same time that Franklin does the stuff he's going to do in the next episode. So like, Camille's de- mom dying happens very close to what happens to Franklin in the next episode. So I don't even think Emma leaves again in the movie. She might not. You might be right. Yeah. I can't, I don't remember exactly with that part. Yeah, she doesn't. They just, I mean, they really do. I mean, if you, uh, so I was trying to, and this is actually where I somewhat gave up on this. I was trying to roughly timestamp where the episodes go. Mm -hmm. And all I could get, I mean, all I could get for four was two minutes and 20 seconds, kind of. Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like episodes three through most of five are kind of like all kind of meshed together in the movie. Um, I like like the movie now that I've watched the show more than once because the new scenes, (laughs) like, like the movie itself sucks. Um, but the new scenes actually are pretty cool to see, even though they're like very disjointed. Like you get like, you're probably getting the most out of it because you're watching them kind of concurrently. Yeah. The, like it's got the eighties quality animation and then you have like, you know, two thousands animation. It's like, Whoa. <laughs> but then they put what I really don't like is how they take the, on the newer animation. A lot of it looks beautiful, but then to make it match the old stuff better, they put this, freaking stupid grain effect all oh, yeah. over it and it's like just don't like i know what you're doing here just don't just <laughs> yep yep so that's uh episodes three and four um we're, we're starting to get ramped up here and uh things are getting real eventually camille's going to be a real pilot yeah thankfully like th- this to me is the end of our exposition, right? And, and maybe really episode three is the end of that. Uh, but yeah, then with Emma defecting and you, you know, you got the Mark twos back at the Argama. Like this is the, this first set of episodes is kind of your intro to the show. And there's so much to absorb in these uh, that if you, this is the point where I say like, if you're watching Zeta and you feel a little bit lost, go rewatch the first couple episodes again at this point and you know you'll pick up on the is it can you even say geopolitics when they're in space yeah mm. so like to summarize the groups we have right now we have the federation um which is not completely unified in itself so you've got people like bright who are like old school federation and then you have people like um lila Lieutenant Lila, who are aligned with the Titans, but not part of the Titans, and she doesn't even want to be a Titan necessarily. Um, You've just you- got the Federation members that support the Titans group. Yep. And if they're not technically a part of it, and then the ones that don't. Yep. And then you have the Titans, which are an offshoot of the ty- of the Federation, um, but are i don't know like i don't like a paramilitary force or something like that they they, they're not they're legitimate but they're like douchey um and then you have the aug 
which is um, a lot of former Federation soldiers, uh, but also a lot of former Xeon sympathizers. Maybe not Xeon soldiers, but there are Xeon soldiers because um, Lieutenant Quattro Bagina is, you know. This is a, yeah, AUG is, was a political group. And then for reasons that we're going to get into on our next podcast episode, um, became more militaristic in wanting to achieve their aims of bringing down the Titans group uh, in the Federation. And they are very well funded and backed by some powerful people, including some at Anaheim. And so that's how they get these technologies. So uh, it was basically like a political party, but then stuff got real. So they found a lot of people with money that agreed with them so that they could make stuff more real. Yep. Super look at it. Yep. And then you've got the earth, which is recovering from the one year war still. And a lot of the people in the colonies feel that that is happening at the expense of the earth. Did you know that the people on the earth, their souls are weighed down by gravity? Yes. And everybody's the closer you get to earth, the more your souls are weighed down. You know, I think I might've heard that somewhere. <laughs> uh, all right. You guys got anything else for these two? Nah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll check you next time. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at new type flash pod on Twitter or follow our threads on Reddit. Thank you.